there. Welcome to Rested Mamas Talk. We're Chelsea and Mika, your certified pediatric sleep coaches who were once exhausted mamas just like you turned into rested mamas who now have helped hundreds of families get better sleep in three days with an alternative to traditional sleep training. As creators of the Association Fading Sleep Method, we teach a responsive and holistic approach. Our podcast is dedicated to sharing the journey from true parental exhaustion to thriving parenthood. From real sleep tips, from us and other experts to real stories of families just like you. Let's get rested. Hey there, fellow families, moms, dads. Welcome to another episode of Rested Mamas Talk. My name is Chelsea, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, co-founder of Rested Mama Happy Baby, and another sleep expert extraordinaire, if you will. Hey, Mika, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good. Hey, everyone. It's great to be here again, chatting all about parenting and, of course, sleep. <laughs> the, the holy grail, right? For all of us parents, we really want that sleep and what that looks like. And, you know, I'm, um, I'm usually, you know, pretty excited to talk about our topics, but I will tell you that I am extra fueled and filled with emotions about baby sleep lately because of some conversations that we've had. And I'm totally geared up to chat about this very topic. So spill the beans. What are we talking about today? <laughs> okay. Well, this is a juicy one. And I have to say, yes, you guys, Mika, she, she was talking with me earlier today. She's like, I am so fired up. I am so excited to dive into this topic. So this juicy one, this really important topic that we're about to discuss, it's probably the reason why you moms, dads, families listening to this really pull your hair out, if you will, when you are trying to Google information about your child's sleep, if you're trying to look online on Instagram, other social media platforms, and even if you've also chatted with other pediatric sleep coaches. So what we're going to talk about today is some of the worst sleep training advice that we have heard other families get that have actually ended up working with us. So let's really dive in, Mika, on what are some of those top worst advice regarding sleep training that we've heard today or that we've heard in general. <laughs> you guys probably have heard this too. And the reason I feel like we really needed to chat about this is I've, I've now had quite a few, what we have discovery calls. So you could always reach out to us and we will do these 15 minute calls where we basically help you determine whether we're the right fit for you, or we give you a recommendation of the program. And obviously during those times, a lot of families have I will say either worked with other sleep coaches already um, or they're kind of shopping around. And so they're, they're asking me these questions and I will, Chelsea, it takes me my entire being hmm. to sometimes not make the surprised faces that I or have other faces. in my body, <laughs> in my body when I hear some of the things that I get asked because they heard from another sleep coach. Otherwise, that is absolutely not even evidence-based or honestly logical. But you know what? We yeah. get so caught up in all of the white noise. I keep calling it white noise that we Google or the things that you actually see 
on mommy groups, because that's probably where a lot of us get our mommy advice. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you know, we, misery loves company and we like to know that we're not alone. And I felt like we really needed to talk about this. And it's really hard for us. I think that if we get surprised, but I think it's also just disheartening more or less, because at the end of the day, you know, Mika, you and I, and all of us at Rest Mama Happy Baby at the end of the day, we really want every single family to be getting sleep in a way that works for them. And a lot of times the advice that you're getting honestly just won't get you there. And so we really want to unpack that, right? We really want to say, okay, here are some things that we often hear that are actually just wrong advice, wrong period. Um, you know, when we talk about sleep training and when you hear that term, right, Mika, what's the number one thing that most often people think about? What is that? Right out for burr. Yes, my child in the room for extended amount of periods and somehow leaving them alone in the room is going to magically have them start sleeping through the night. They're going to hate me. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I think people equate with sleep training too is just how baby is going to sleep. When they say sleep training, all they're thinking about is getting your child to fall asleep independently or getting your child to be falling asleep on their own. Uh, we're going to challenge that, to be honest with you, because that is not the definition truly of what sleep training is. And this goes really directly for us. For for us. us. Exactly. Thank you. We, and if you haven't, please check out, I think, our very first podcast where we kind of talk about it. But it, it's really important to when you talk to someone to figure out what is their definition of sleep training and what goals do they have for you? Exactly. With us here at Rest and Mama Happy Baby, our goal and what we mean by sleep training is really finding a sleep routine and sleep habits that are one, sustainable for you as a family, but also facilitates really good, consistent, and consolidated sleep. So I'm going to be frank with you guys. Yes. Do we look at how baby is falling asleep? Yes, that is part of it, but that is just one part of our approach that we see really gets families to that consistent and consolidated sleep quickly. You know, one thing that I'm sure if you've listened to us for a little while, we talk a lot about how sleep is like baking a cake. You know, there are certain ingredients that you need at a certain measurement to get this nice and delicious cake. Sleep is the exact same way. I know it's kind of a funny analogy, but when you think about it, it makes sense. There are so many components or factors that play into your child having good, consistent, consolidated sleep and in a way that's sustainable for you as a family, as a mom, right? (laughs) We need sustainability in our life. And it's not just how baby's going to sleep right? We're looking at environment. What is that daytime schedule and routine looking like? How much sleep are they getting? So on and so forth. Because when we're talking about our sleep training approach and our sleep approach in general, that's really where we're coming from. So when we say that term, sleep training, that's what we mean, (laughs) right? Um, And so our method association fading, um, you are more than willing and welcome. And we would love for you to check out our free webinar because we really go through all of those components that I just talked about. Um, So feel free, check out our free webinar that gives you a little bit better idea. So, all right, Mika, let's go ahead and go through though, our worst advice that we have heard, okay? So if you don't mind, I'm gonna go through the first. Does that sound good? Yeah, do it. Let it out. Feet first in, head first.
This is one that we hear a lot, and I have a feeling you may know what I'm about to say. One of the things that most of our families are worried about, especially for our nursing families, is just how breastfeeding plays in with sleep training and with our sleep training approach. I think one of the worst sleep advices that I've received from um, or that other clients have said that they have received is that they cannot sleep train because they are nursing. So that they also cannot sleep train because they need to maintain two or three nighttime feedings each night. (laughs) So why is this worst advice, number one. And that is, Mika, how many families do you think that we work on in a day, on a regular basis that are nursing? 50%, if not more, are nursing families because guess what? Our families are nursing to sleep, co-sleeping, and a lot of them feel like they have unsustainable routines because of that. And this kills my heart. Mm-hmm. And I'll save my story for after when Chelsea talks about why, but this hurts my heart. Um, when I hear families who are clearly trying to change things that are nursing and feeling like they need to pick one or the other. Yeah. And it, that, that's just like, and there are fantastic lactation consultants out there, by the way, you guys, and we have definitely have some phenomenal ones that we have partnered with and have worked with before. So feel free to reach out to us either on Instagram um, or even an email and we're happy to provide you a referral there. But I think that one of the things that is amiss is that, uh, and honestly, this is kind of a soapbox. We could probably have an entire episode just about this. But when we're talking about feeding, that is a component that plays into that consistent consolidated sleep. But what we're really looking at, the piece that does affect sleep is when you do not have things like full feeds, feeds that are evenly spaced out. That is the case, whether that is a formula fed baby whether that is a baby that is exclusively breastfeeding, whether that is a baby where you're pumping and providing a bottle, that is the same thing for for all babies and for all families. The other piece is something called reverse cycling. Um, And do you want to talk a little bit about that, Mika, and kind of what that term means and how it relates to this bad advice. <laughs> it's like the um it's like the equivalent of day and night confusion, but for feeding. Or basically a child just habitually uh, gets used to taking in calories at nighttime to store and then to need less during the day. And so oftentimes we we have um, heard a lot of different advice that our families have gotten to just wean. But guess what happens? And at some point you're going to have, you know, a minute less of nursing, or you are going to have an ounce left in your bottle. And guess what? Your baby will still be awake sometimes. And if you don't have an approach or a plan to what for, for that particular moment, it's going to feel daunting to even think about your child going to sleep. Like there is no, I mean, it's like, what do you do afterwards? And that's why we think it's such, it, it could be such confusing advice. Can it help some families? Does it work with some families? Sure. You know, with Chelsea and I, we're not about absolutes. Every child is truly different. But when we're talking about the general population, about a majority of our families who have said that they have tried it, 
have come to us going, well, I did this weaning thing and I gave them, you know, an ounce less and it worked for a night. And then afterwards they stayed awake and it's like, oh, what do I do? Well, I had to find another sleep prop. Um, and so when we talk about uh, that advice that you do have to keep a feed or slowly wean it, um, if you have approval from your pediatrician, there are other ways outside of, you know, trying to keep a feed until they somehow naturally let go of it, which could take a year or two. And evidence tells us it could take two to three years yeah, to break that habit. And I think that a concern too, is just, you know, some, what that comes with that advice is just the idea of needing to maintain your supply, for example. Um, and that's, you know, an understandable concern. And just so you guys know, Mika breastfed, I breastfed, we completely understand that concern. But there are lots of things that you can do to still maintain your supply and also still have your child sleeping through the night and having that good consolidated sleep. And that is all something that we can help guide families on, um, as well as just to help to reassure you in that process as well. So just know, you know, families, if you're a breastfeeding family, and if this is the thing that is holding you back, please, you know, please know we understand, but don't let it. Um, That is something very much that we deal with on a regular basis and are happy to help you with. So number two, worst advice. Go for it, Mika. Yeah, actually, just one more thing about that, because it was so close to my heart. I will say that when I was breastfeeding, for those of you who haven't listened to any of the other podcasts, I had Deemers. Deemers is um, a very rare form of basically when I had a letdown every time I breastfed, I felt anxiousness and depression just when I breastfed. So breastfeeding for me was not an easy journey, but it was also something that I felt like I needed to do as a mother. And then you add on exhaustion and then the additional guilt of like, well, you should be lucky that you could even breastfeed in the first place. How dare you want to take away that for nighttime? And, oh, you know, you're going to lose your spot. It's like, it came rushing down and hearing if I heard that as a breastfeeding mom, when all I needed was just like a little bit of relief, I, I would have felt so defeated. And that's why I think I feel so passionately about that first piece of advice. Know that there's always a way my, with my second, I breastfed till 12 months by choice. Okay. Wow. I only wanted to make 12 months. That was right for my family. That didn't, I did not keep feeds in the middle of the night after 12, 12 weeks, mm-hmm. our bodies are magical. So I just, I wanted to give you guys hope yeah. and know that you are not alone. And definitely in our program, you are not alone because we do that all the time. And one thing too, is that just like babies' bodies get acclimated and to adjusted to their feeding routine. So does your body's mom's. Okay. So same thing, your body produces when it needs to produce. And so anyway, just keep in mind, (laughs) I digress. (laughs) Okay. So number two, number two, worst sleep advice, um, that I hear all the time that I actually think gets really ingrained and sometimes ends up in the brains of our families who end up working with us in the beginning. And we have to undo this white noise and Chelsea alluded to it a little bit when we talk about a sleep cake and 
it is that that the sleep training method is is going to be your golden key to getting really good sleep. And that um, if you just get the right method, because maybe Ferber didn't work. And so now you're trying something different, or you're trying to find this like special sleep training method that's specifically just for what you do at night, that that's going to be your end all be all. And Okay, maybe this is a little bit of a Debbie Downer, but it's not. Actually, I'm gonna sound really, really <laughs> it's not your end all be all. Is it an important factor? It is, but it doesn't matter, honestly, what sleep training, you know, method, method that you use yeah. for bedtime. If you don't have the other right ingredient, it's so when we talk about the sleep cake, I think the misconception, especially if you've talked to other sleep coaches and they put it all over their website, right? Like, what do we do? Okay. We do this. And this is the specific sleep training program or the, this is what we get. Okay. Well, what do you do when you sleep train? And we don't have one thing. We do a lot of different things because there's a lot of ingredients to good sleep. So the misconception is that when you think about the sleep cake, think about all the ingredients that go in it. And there's this misconception that the sleep training method is the flower. Mm -hmm. Like it's the main thing that you need. And I'm going to argue based on evidence that it's not the flower. Honestly, it is going to be a much smaller ingredient that's still super necessary, but it's not the main ingredient, right? Um, I mean, I guess I could call it the flower because there's flourless cakes. I'm like <laughs> digressing. So let's so let's say that it's flour. So it's like it's like you can, if you're gonna make a cake, you you can make a flourless cake, right? We've seen that. I mean, you can get somewhat of a cake. It might not taste exactly the same. And so I would, I guess I would argue that it is the flour. You can go get flour from theater brothers, or you can get it from, you know, super organic sprouts or whatever, but guess what? It really didn't matter what brand, as long as you have the other ingredients. So what are those other ingredients? The red flags that you should see when you're trying to get your child sleeping really well is if they double down on the sleep training method of what you do in the middle of the night. If you are not looking at aligning your child's sleep cycles and their propensity for how much sleep that they can actually have, then you're going to make it really, really hard for them to even sleep through the night. You're going to get additional crying. And that's the whole point, right? Of why we want to focus on the sleep training method. A lot of families are like, well, what sleep training method do you use? Because you're trying to avoid the extensive crying, but it's not even the method that changes that. It's literally the stuff that you do before, um, things that we talk about in our free training. So again, you know, if you want us to dive in a little bit more, we go in that, but it's really going to be figuring out what is your child's propensity for sleep and having a schedule that actually aligns to what they naturally want to do. Because guess what? We get independently sleeping children all the time who fall asleep on their own without a sleep prop and they still have short naps. And they still wake up in the middle of the night. Right? Right, Tom? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> so, so sorry. My computer, We're hopefully I don't have a, a bed um, thing here. So, all right. So one of the other, the third 
worst sleep advice that I think that we have all heard. And this actually comes from a little story. So I'm going to give you what the story looks like. So we had a family who came to us and this poor mom, which by the way, she's sweetest. She had been working in a program for about, honestly, six weeks. Um, and it was with twins and this, this family um, was specifically working on one of the children who was really having some difficulty at nighttime waking. So, okay, Mika, I don't know if you remember this family or not. Um, but within that, this baby was still having what we call our split nights, where baby was actually awake this 12-month-old for anywhere from two to three hours in the middle of the night. Um, and baby was falling asleep independently at naps, at bedtime. And so what ended up the advice that they received was that this child only needs or can only give us about eight to nine hours of sleep. in a <laughs> So when I had my discovery call with her, she told me that my response was, okay, well, how much sleep is your child getting during the daytime hours? And she was like, well, you know, from what I hear, my child is really low sleep needs. And so he's sleeping just an hour. So we're capping his nap at an hour during the daytime. So this baby, 12 months, was getting just about nine to 10 nine hours total. Okay, wait, sleep. Chelsea. Yeah. But, but what? Are our goals that we typically start with for a 12 month old, just so you guys can see the difference. What so, are our goals? Yeah, of course, you guys, when you Google, by the way, if you were to Google how much sleep should a 12 month old baby get, you're going to get a little bit of a range. I'm not going to lie, um, because honestly, every baby's sleep needs are a little bit different. However, when we're talking about developmentally, what a child needs in terms of sleep at that age you are going to get a little bit of a range. However, at this age, the minimum amount of sleep that we would really want for a baby would be between 12 to 13 hours of sleep. It's, and it's not, it's not nine hours. It's not nine hours. And so when we started working with her, she was really nervous because obviously our recommended schedule for her had baby sleeping about 13 and a half hours or having an opportunity of sleep for about 13 and a half hours. So when we're seeing some, you know, when you see sleep advice online or, or other programs, I think the one of the red flags would be, speaking of red flags that you were talking about earlier, but is that if you are just chalking something up to low sleep needs, because in actuality, this baby was on the opposite end. This baby actually was on a high sleep needs end, and this baby was perpetually overtired, and it was causing additional nighttime wakings, longer time to fall asleep, the whole gamut. And so please know that even if your child is 18 months, 19 months, 20 months, the minimum amount of nighttime sleep that we are really looking for is about 11 hours. Um, and so your child, yes, may be on the lower sleep needs end, but we really want to capitalize on that nighttime sleep specifically so that we can really identify that most developmentally appropriate sleep time. And then also if we need to play around with some of the sleep in the day, that's okay. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so please don't just chalk it up to the fact that your child is just low sleep needs. 
And so they don't need that much sleep because although it, they could be lower end sleep needs, you know, we still want to make sure they're providing the most or we're providing the most amount of sleep possible for them. So total worst advice. And, um, I would say again, defeating, right? I mean, yeah. no, no situation is black or white. And so I just feel like sometimes because we, it's probably related, right? We double down the sleep training thing. So she probably worked with, and I know she worked with a sleep coach and it was like, mm-hmm. oh, but at least you have your, great, your child falls yeah. asleep independently. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. but they're missing out on five hours of sleep guys. Like this is where hold on to hope and gosh, hold on to hope. I don't well- and it was really sweet too. Cause when she, when she had her discovery call with us, I think that she was actually more looking for like validation of like what she's doing is okay. And kind of just a second opinion. And then when I told her kind of just really honestly, kind of flat out what we would be recommending and probably what is going on, you should have seen her face. Like she not only was surprised, but it was also a little bit of relief because I think that she just was trying to really do what she was told to do. And she just wanted to do the right thing by her kiddo. So you guys, please know too, you're not doing anything wrong, (laughs) especially all of our families that come to us too. And all of you listening, you're fantastic parents. So please don't blame yourself by any means. Again, it really is just finding the right balance and the right pieces for your child specifically. So you're on here because you're a great parent trying Mm -hmm. to figure it out. And because you don't have the answers, Chelsea and I have gone through a lot of training and research to know what we know. So if you were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Don't feel like a failure as a parent. Like we had to train. We've worked with thousands of families. So you're not supposed to know. You're not supposed to know. That's why there are people out there who have been trained to know. So, all right. Number four. Okay. So, um, worst advice, number four, uh, that also hurts my heart. I guess I should have said the, the worst or the worst advice that hurts my heart when I hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, so it came from a few families that were back to back that asked me, do you allow room sharing or do I have to put my kid in their own nursery. By the way, can my head is like, wait, wait, what? (laughs) Can we pause for a second? When we get the questions like allow, um, you know, Allow. allow. One of the things that I'm always thinking of is we aren't like the end all be all decision makers either. <laughs> you know, like, please know you are a parent and this is a parental decision. So, you know, again, when I hear that word aloud, it's like, I'm never going to make you do something right. I'm going to hear, provide you recommendations, you know, et cetera. To get you I mean, something. there's so many, there's so many other things, right. That we hear that I'm going to, I'm going to double down on this one because I hear it so often, but uh, oh, are you, you know, do I have to let go of the pacifier? Cause this one sleep coach says I absolutely cannot keep it for anything. Or, um, I have to be home for two weeks straight. And it's like, Whoa, yeah. wait a second. So why is it bad advice? It's room bad sharing. advice because and also all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's bad advice about room sharing is because obviously the AAP does recommend room sharing. 
you know, up to 12 months. Now, if you decide you don't want to room share, does that mean that you've increased your child's um, risk for SIDS? No, it's just a recommendation that often changes, right? So we like to make sure that you know that it is an option to you. Now, the bad part of it, really bad part of it is, is it going to make or break your sleep training experience or getting to your goals? No, because you know what? What is the whole goal? of going through a sleep training program is that your child is able to fall asleep independently on their own with their own cues because their body is telling them to, regardless of any other interventions outside of them. So the whole point is that your child can fall asleep independently because they have their own tools to fall asleep on their own. Now, is that not to say like, oh, it doesn't matter if it's light outside. Like we're still human, right? We're going to we're going to be impacted by light. We know that our bodies are chemically, biologically impacted by light. So all those things are really important, but it's not going to matter if it's dark in your room or dark in their room. It's not going to matter if you have to walk in there because the whole point is that it's not going to matter. Um, so I just, that's, that's a lot easier for us to, I guess, talk about. And hopefully that makes sense to you. We don't have to dive into it too much, but if you're truly thinking about, what independent sleep routines look like, logically, it should not make sense that you absolutely need to move your child to another room. Um, and a lot of our families do room share. So we know this for and sure. One, <laughs> and one of the things that we always say to Mika, right, is that we want baby to take the cues for sleep by their routine, the routine steps, how they're being responded to rather than where they are rather than who's putting them down for sleep. And so if that means that your baby's crib is in the same bedroom as yours, great. <laughs> if that means that your baby's crib is in their own bedroom, great. Um, that is all things that, you know, it's not a deterrent. It's not an impacting factor of, of good, consistent, consolidated sleep. So. Okay, number five, our last one that we're going to talk about today, and I know we could probably honestly go on and on for a long time about this, um, but now this is one I personally feel super passionate about and really kind of hurts my heart, particularly when we have clients that have come to us already been sleep training, and this is what happens, or this is what they say, is that they were given the advice to just worry about nights and don't worry about naps, worry about it later. And whenever I hear that, I'm like, that's kind of, that's really what I say in my head. And it's not out of frustration for that parent. It's not a frustration really for anything other than that is just can cause a lot of confusion for your little one. And so here's what I mean by that. Babies live and you, if you've been following us too, you might have heard us say this, but babies live in a very black and white world. And what I mean by that is that it's very hard for them to understand the gray or the sometimes. They're very routine oriented. And so when one time of sleep, for example, the routine looks one way, for example, at bedtime, but then the routine looks a different way at, let's say, naps, they don't quite know what to expect, right? They don't understand that sometimes. Sometimes I need to fall asleep by laying down and going to sleep on my own in a crib. Sometimes I should go to sleep with, for example, mommy holding me at nap time. So again, you're not doing necessarily anything wrong. However, where that is bad advice <laughs> is because it will cause the process 
to take longer because your child isn't quite understanding what is expected and what that new routine is or what it should be. And so what is happening is that each time they're like, okay, wait, am I supposed to go to sleep down in my crib or am I waiting for that contact, for example? And so you might get things like additional tears at bedtime, longer time to fall asleep, and sometimes even nighttime waking. So by focusing on everything all at once, that daytime schedule, the nights and bedtime, Also implementing the same steps with whichever method that you're choosing as a family at bedtime, nights, and at naps. When you're at home, of course, we know that sometimes we have some daytimes out of our control. That is really what's going to get your child there faster. And honestly, you know, I I don't want to get into a Debbie Downer, right, Mika? And honestly, that's what's going to be easiest on your child. It can be kind of hard on your kiddo if you're doing kind of two things at once. So just as a little red flag and also a good piece of advice as well when you're entering this process. Well, so what's the takeaway? This is actually a good way to to bring it home a little bit. And this is why I just love the analogy about talking about sleep like it's cake. So talking about doing, worrying about naps later is like, letting your cake bake and then adding ingredients after the fact. Like imagine adding your sugar and your vanilla after you've already stuck your cake in the oven. It's it's not going to mix. So when we talk about sleep training, and if you talk about any type of program or you are on your way to try to figure out even a plan by yourself, know that sleep training isn't black and white. There truly is a plan that's going to work for each child, and it's not based on one ingredient. Just like there's different recipes for cake, right? It doesn't have to be whatever you read online or in your local mommy group. Um, You know, there isn't an end-all be-all. There are, however, just four simple factors. And we work with our families, all of which are implemented very differently based on a child, and know that there is a way out there. We're always here if you want to chat. Find us on IG, check out our Q&As that we do sometimes in our stories, our website for our programs if you want to work with us. And then of course, you guys, if you haven't already and you really want to dive into more about how to get this wonderful, consistent sleep habits, don't forget to check out our free webinar training. That's where we really talk about those four main components or ingredients that you need to have that good, consistent, consolidated sleep, and really just cut out all of that white noise like we talk about or things that you have Googled results and just not quite sure where to go from there. So how to get your child to sleep really 10 or more hours of sleep at nighttime, honestly, in just three days without cry it out. (laughs) So that is one of our biggest things there too, is we want to provide you guys an alternative to that traditional sleep training method that you would, you know, you hear and read about. So the link is always in this description of the podcast as well. So we would love for you to watch it, hear what you think of it. And we really hope that it is helpful for you as well. Well, it's always great to chat about all things sleep. And we are wishing all of you families some great sleep. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you, Mika, for chatting. And I hope you all stay rested. Thanks so much, you guys. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Rested Mamas Talk. To stay connected and get more sleep tips from us, follow us on our Instagram page at rested underscore mama underscore happy underscore baby. To find out how we're helping families around the world get better sleep, check out our website, restedmamahappybaby.com or chat with us directly to learn more about our programs. Chat with you next time.